the hatch is coming open. Okay. It's open. Verified. I'm moving outside. Okay, I'm letting go. Copy that. I'm starting to drift away. It really is dark out here. How am I doing? You're doing fine. I'm beginning to see a point of light on the horizon. It's uh, getting larger. I'm getting some pretty good oscillations. Oh, it's 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 coming quicker now. It's uh, really going. Any second now. Here we go. Yeah, woo! <laughs> oh boy, that really is something. Oh, that's tremendous. Well, that's that's just a uh, pixel vision. Pixel vision, pixel vision. Just pixel vision, pixel vision. Pixel vision, zero G and I feel fine. Pixel vision. <laughs> That's really what. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're kicking off. We're talking about Astroneer. I think. Teo's just clicking away at something. Yeah, we're talking about Astroneer. And what was your reaction to playing the game, Teo? Well, um, yeah, I thought it was cute. I spent, I would say, 20 hours in the game. Definitely didn't complete the game. As you well know, I mean, I sent Ben a message being like, yeah, it's just one of those games where there isn't really a goal. Like, there's no end end goal at all. And Ben, in classic Ben style, was like, I think there is an end goal. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just completely ignored it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's just, just a free-form crafting game, sort of um, Minecraft style. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I think that's how most people have played the game. Like, on Reddit, people are making all sorts of crazy shit, like chessboards and, like, massive games of marbles and all sorts of crazy things. I did notice those chess pieces scattered around the different planets, and I kind of assumed there was a different chess set for every planet, but I didn't confirm that for myself. But, I mean, I wasn't going around digging, literally, for every chess piece. I mean, fair play to the people that do, but... I assume you were going around digging, though, since that's a big part of the game. <laughs> there is a big part of the game. I mean, I mean, I don't know, like, I've got my own chess set at home. I don't need to dig for a virtual one. So true of almost <laughs> everything in this game. But let's not, let's not jump there. Okay. <laughs> Teo, let's hear your Teo monologue. All right, all right, all right. Um, well, as usual, I've tried my hardest not to prepare this. So here it goes. Astroneer is a pure crafting game, I would say. There's no survival aspect at all. 
you start the game as an astronaut on a planet you have oxygen i suppose it's a survival game in in that sense so without oxygen um you'll suffocate and you're given a kind of what would you call it like a vacuum gun which can suck in terrain um, and spit it back out which allows you to manipulate the planet that you're on which is a kind of semi-realistic representation of an actual planet like as in you can travel all the way around it like the same in, in outer worlds like it's not to scale but it's fairly large and there's a bunch of these planets in the solar system but i suppose one of the game's main gimmicks is that you can suck in all the terrain of every planet and spit it back out into whatever shape you want so in that sense it is quite freeform and gives a lot of room for creativity if you choose to to follow that creative path and then alongside that you have your more standard crafting tree you unlock different buildings and accessories machines etc to use on each planet by exploring so you accrue these kind of i can't remember what they're called actually like science points which you can spend to unlock new things of your choice um and yeah one of the main hooks of the game is um building up your tech tree and exploring all the planets and that's the end of the podcast well that's it did you you didn't I, i'm guessing i'm guessing from your action so far that you didn't find much depth in the game you dug deep but found no depth nice um i certainly dig dug deep dig 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 deep <laughs> so deep that i often found myself having to dig little roots out of the holes i wound up in Mm. when i was like mining for various different things creating cave systems that i then died in and struggled to find my own body in but it wasn't so much i didn't find depth to it actually because i think if you are a certain player who has that mentality that actually the game is just giving you tools to create and to make stuff and to sort of I guess, maximize your, the efficiency of your little base. Mm. I think if you're that kind of player, you would find depth to it because everything interacts with everything else. There's components that fit with every other component. Uh, there's a lot of cross pollination <laughs> between sort of the planets and interactivity and in every single thing that you build. So mm. I don't think it's short on depth in that regard. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I struggle without a narrative or without some kind of slightly more overarching goal to pursue. Mm. I definitely struggled with that as well. But just on the kind of the way that the things that you build interact with each other, it's a very modular game. So almost like Lego. So everything kind of slots onto anything else. You can build a platform and you might build like a smelting factory and you'll like click it onto the top of your platform. But equally like a solar panel or a wind turbine could fit there. And like the smallest slot is just kind of like one little circle and you have a bunch of those little circles on your backpack and that like each little circle holds like one thing. So a piece of aluminium or some organic material, Uh, but equally it could hold a small generator or something like that. Or a small oxygen canister or a soil canister. Yeah, I think there's a sort of innate difficulty there with the finite number of slots you're given at the beginning. And it seems like quite generous when you first start because you really are only picking up the odd thing. But as soon as you've got a few mods on your vacuum gun, it's definitely not called a vacuum gun, but that is a good way of describing it. As soon as you've got a few mods on that, like you can have an inhibitor mod, which means that when you dig resources, it doesn't actually ruin the terrain. It just pulls the resources from beneath it. And you can have a boost mod that obviously accelerates the speed with which you're doing it. You can make it wider, narrower, like you can pretty much adjust, adjust every element to it. And as soon as you start 
adding all those things which obviously need to be attached to the device then you're limiting how many backpack slots you have again mm. and if you go to a particularly distant planet where you need to explore you're going to want to take an additional little oxygen canister and that'll take another slot and all these kind of things so pretty soon you realize you're actually only playing with sort of four five six free slots don't you yeah that's true like in a different kind of game you might be able to upgrade your backpack capacity but as far as i know you could never upgrade your backpack capacity in, in astroneer so i suppose the way that you develop your supply lines to different resources and stuff like that becomes a bit more important and that starts right off the bat right with oxygen mm. like as soon as you land you you're kind of landing pad so you're initially you initially start the game and you have this little landing pad and you have a little shelter that kind of starts you off and the landing pad comes with three pre-packaged things can't even remember what they all are but one of them's an oxygenator mm -hmm. and i think one's a small printing press or something like that i'm not sure yeah it might even be a medium printer or, yeah. yeah something like that and the um oxygenator you put inside your shelter and then you can run tethers from it these little i guess just piping that pipes oxygen to mm. wherever you're going but obviously to build tethers you need resources so first you have to mine them and it's like it really does straight off the bat it's like if you don't have tethers you can't go anywhere without suffocating mm. the difficulty level starts off high and i actually think starts off really high potentially off-putting and gets easier and easier and easier as you unlock new things would you say that's fair yeah but it also the tethers also give you some direction so in a game this free form i'd feel pretty overwhelmed if i could just walk in any direction at any time so the tethers force you to choose a route and stick to it and to, to follow the path which you've built for yourself which isn't quite true because you can just pick them back up and put them in another direction if you want to but you get quite fond of the little the little roads that you build for yourself you, I, I don't think you played death standing yet have you uh, no i haven't i'm excited to i mean this game is nothing like death stranding but in death stranding or maybe even the settlers games you create little roads and you become like fond of the routes that you take because you're familiar with the, the landscape. I saw someone on Reddit had made a, a racing track with tethers through mountains and stuff, and they'd literally separated it like it was a sort of rally route. Cool. And then they had their rover going through it, which is pretty cool use of tethers because they look like sort of blue string across the landscape. Mm, little batons. Yeah. So that gives you a sense of direction or not exactly a sense of direction, but you're leading yourself on your own path. So you can't get too distracted about where to go. Yeah. I mean, the elephant in the room here is that what we haven't mentioned is that the worlds are procedurally generated. So I wondered about that because I, I have, I, as usual, I haven't really looked up very much about the game. But I... <laughs> we wouldn't expect anything less from a video gaming podcast. <laughs> But I, I was trying to work out whether they proceeded to generate it or not. I, I suppose what I should have done is, well, I did think about doing it, was just starting up a new game and to see if the planet was the same or not. But the planet's so big that I thought, this will take me ages to like figure out if I'm on the same planet or not. So yeah, it did have the feel of a procedurally generated game. So I'm glad you've confirmed it. Well, that's why there's no map. So there is a compass. Did you find the compass? Because it's not obvious. But it's like when you hover over your character's no, feet. 
a little sort of compass emerges beneath them in a ring. Oh. Very basic. And obviously, whichever way your camera's facing, it will just adjust the compass accordingly, which isn't that useful, except for if you think, right, I'm going to head east from my base for X amount of time. And then even if you lose sight of the beacon, your base has a little beacon that extends into the sky above it. Mm. You can still find your way back just by heading west. So like in a very simple way, it's useful for directions. But without a map, it is hard because it's like you say, the planet's are pretty big yeah no um that would have been really useful because there's beacons which um which you can make and, and put up so that you can find your way from those like you can see them in the sky uh, and there's automatically a beacon on your starting base but yeah i did get lost a few times on my more kind of like adventurous exploits where i was like i'm just gonna go and see what this planet has to offer in the rover that was yeah well so the other thing about a procedurally generated world though is that obviously the allocation of resources while they might have a set amount of resources that is going to appear on that planet, where they are on the planet is very much randomised. So if you start, mm. and I have the sneaking suspicion that as an unlucky person... Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> seriously, as an unlucky person, I feel like I just didn't start near any of the resources I needed. Which ones? It took me so long to eventually get compound to even just build basic like tethers and stuff to be able to get away compound yeah seriously to even get away oh my god i was surrounded by more compound than i could ever need <laughs> yeah there you go and resin as well and like one of the other things we didn't mention yet is um in addition to resources you find debris the game calls it which is just kind of wreckage from other ships and mm. from neighboring planets or whatever and most of it is unusable, except for as scrap when you get further down the line and you've built stuff like a shredder. But every now and again, you'll find like a working solar panel or a working wind turbine. Mm. Apparently, those sort of discoveries are pretty critical <laughs> near the early game because they give you the power. Because what another thing we haven't mentioned is everything you build takes power mm. and you need to constantly be supplying your base. And obviously, the bigger, more complicated thing you are building, the more power it's going to draw. So you need to be hyper-conscious of that stuff as well. Otherwise, everything just powers down and all your research chambers aren't producing any bites and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So yeah, like I think I just began the game just at an awkward position from a lot of resources. And that immediately made me feel kind of like it was an uphill struggle for the first eight to ten hours. Right. Well, it must have felt like more of a survival game for you then. Because, yeah, I had the complete opposite experience. It felt like a world of abundance to me every direction i went i just seemed to find the resources i needed and we haven't even mentioned it yet but you, you start on one planet but one of the the cutest and funnest things about the game is that you can launch off in a shuttle and visit the other planets in the solar system and there's certain resources which aren't on your starting planet which you need to go to the other planets to yeah. mine. although it's never that clear well i suppose it is a bit clear which resources are where actually but one of the things i think the game did do really badly Unless I just didn't discover it, which is possible because the tutorial is a bit of a rush job, isn't it? It's like they kind of throw you through it. They just direct you to a few things. You're never clear what you're doing. And then it's like, yeah, you're all done. I actually got stuck on the tutorial for about half an hour because I just I just didn't know what it wanted me to do, <laughs> which is a bit of a shame. And it, once I once I figured it out, um, it was obvious. But yeah, no, no, the tutorial is, is not is not particularly clear. Yeah, it, it's woeful. I think it kind of assumes that maybe you've played similar games before and so you can kind of 
join the dots in a way that if you haven't played similar games as well i guess it's like we we say about other games like over time over playing a lot of games of similar genres you build a sort of gamer's intuition mm. um, and that gets you through so many of the things to a degree that most games you probably actually don't even need a tutorial but then every time you encounter something like this which is for me at least relatively fresh mm. well and it's fresh for system era softworks as well because it's their first game <laughs> um mm. but like yeah for me it was relatively fresh and then you struggle with even basic concepts and uh yeah when it's a pretty rushed tutorial and then once you're in the game the sort of encyclopedia that the game gives you is like nigh on useless and difficult to navigate and... yeah i told a little bit of a lie when i said i looked up nothing about the game because there were a few buildings which i thought if i'm going to invest like it doesn't give you a description of any of the tech tree at all so you have to guess at the functionality of each building um and there were a few things where i thought if, if i'm going to spend five thousand bytes on this i need to know what it does so I started, especially in the last five hours or so, I started looking up the functionality of each building just so that I could be sure of what I was experimenting with and be sure of having a fun time with the stuff that I was unlocking. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, like I said a minute ago, I played about eight to ten hours um, and then I more or less gave up on the game, actually. So mm. I had loads of tons of stuff. I was, I've been moving house and from well, actually moving country from australia back to the yeah. uk yeah you have been really busy i wouldn't worry about it you literally <laughs> just moved from australia back to the uk yeah it's been a big time of chaos for a number of reasons but yeah i was getting pretty vexed and i really didn't have normally i would have had the time to splash and even if i'd resented giving the time i would have actually had it mm. but this time i really didn't have it so after about eight to ten hours when i was borderline giving up i thought if i'm going to be qualified to talk about this game at all i need to be looking it up I actually found an amazing Reddit thread where it was just a guy who'd kind of outlined the basic stuff that you want to do. And as soon as I had that, I immediately had more sense of direction. Like I understood, okay, yeah, it wants you to go here, it needs you to go there. These are the important concepts that you need to sort of build from. Mm. And like just that level of knowledge was enough for me to immediately enjoy the game a hell of a lot more than I had up until that point. And it seems weird that like they're relying on people just logging onto the internet to find that stuff out. But I think that the community that builds around games like this is maybe part of the fun. And perhaps the developers take it for granted that that's going to happen. Well, that needs to happen for the game to be successful. I remember the same thing, exactly the same thing with um, crafting survival game Don't Starve. I can't remember if you ever played yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I do. I remember Don't Starve. <laughs> Another game with like a nice little art style and its own set of um, quite unique gimmicks, I think, in a good way. Yeah, it became quite popular. They released a load of those, didn't they? Oh, still going. It's, it's big, and they're still they're still bringing out expansions. Like right now, I, th I think it's got a really Real um, dedicated cow. user base. <laughs> no, nah, come on, Clay are one of like the best indie developers around i think but anyway um yeah what was i saying oh yeah the community that gathers around the game so you have no idea what like all the different like food items and things do in that game the only way you'd ever know is by going on the don't starve wiki to find out it's like other people are doing the research for you and then you're benefiting from their research and it's kind of fine like it feels like it's part of the game and i got the impression that there was a similar thing going on with astroneer as well yeah 100 percent. i think you're right like i think it's the only way the game can work because Honestly, the level, there's everything. Platforms, generators, solar panels, turbines, like tractors, rovers, trailers, like anything you can pretty much think of to build. Mm. There's devices that extract gases from the air 
and you need to know which planet to be on to get the gases from the air. Mm. Like even little things. Like I remember when I first built a little shuttle, it obviously wouldn't launch because it didn't have a thruster. So I had to build the thruster. Mm. But then I didn't realize that the thruster would only have like two uses. Oh no, did you get stranded on an alien planet? (laughs) Well, fortunately I didn't, but I did only get enough resources to like basically get me there and back. And then I was frustrated when I realized I should have got a load more so that I could do the next journey again kind of thing. Mm. Little things like that. And then, oh, and then when I made my large shuttle, because I skipped the medium one, when I made my large shuttle, I took off not from the landing pad because that's where my small shuttle was. So when I came back to the planet the landing pad was occupied so i couldn't land at my base and i had to land at just one of the other domes and it was bloody miles of carrying my shuttle god that was oh no oh you landed at the wrong dome yeah that was a little annoying thing actually is that when you travel to a planet if you want to land in a specific place you have to wait for the planet to, to, spin to on circle around before it gets to the landing spot that you want to go on and then and then click on it yeah <laughs> But I was going to say, like, I wish I'd had an experience or more experiences like that in the game of getting stranded on a planet or or feeling a little bit of a sense of danger because I wanted to explore the game as it was presented to me. So, like, not look it up online and, and stuff like that just to see how that felt, to see if it would awe me, basically. And the game I had in mind when I was thinking of that is Subnautica because in that game, a similar kind of, in some ways, similar crafting survival game. There's such a sense of awe as you swim deeper and deeper and deeper. And you're really scared in that game. And this game is definitely like more cute in tone and it's not trying to scare you. But in that way, I feel like it's missing something. I think you're right there. But I also think that um, Subnautica worked for a number of reasons. This one didn't. Not least it did have a sort of loose narrative running beneath it that you were kind of discovering what had happened to your ancestors. Actually more similar to Outer Wilds in a way, although not so explicit. Mm. But another thing is that Although I've seen a lot of people rave about the sort of beautiful aesthetic of Astroneer, I just didn't really see it. It's these basic, loud, blocky colours, um, mm. sort of sharp polygons and like punchy lighting. Yeah, yeah, it's like a low, a low poly style, which I actually really like. It reminded me of um, there was a little a studio in the town, Prestine, where me and Ben grew up. And one of the adults, I was young at the time, and one of the adults that ran it, Lewis Saunders, built this like low poly piece of art on Blender. You know, Blender, that old like yeah, 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 CAD graphics software, program. Yeah, yeah. And, and I absolutely loved it. And I had it as my computer background as a kid for years and years and years. Like I was totally enamored with this low poly picture. And it was really simple. It was just like a chair, and, like a desk and, in polygon style. But yeah, I think... I don't know, it reminded me of that, and yeah, I'm into the stuff. As an aside, that guy's an incredible compositor now. Is he? We should let him know he's been referenced on the pod, and he can (laughs) tune in. Uh, (laughs) He can design us some amazing visual effects to go with it. If uh, if we can afford to pay LA Hollywood prices, because the guy's working on incredible films. Uh, Yeah, all the power to him as well. I did something. In this city, you reap what you sow. Let's hope so. For me, that aesthetic just doesn't really work. Like, it doesn't inspire me to explore the galaxy Mm. in a way that when I was in Subnautica, I felt a sense of threat, of awe, of like, just everything was overwhelming but exciting. Mm. I genuinely got nervous going to different areas in the water in Subnautica. But in this, it was kind of like, I just felt nonplussed whichever biome I was walking through. Yeah, because, I mean, you you respawn instantly if you die, and the only penalty is that 
it's a bit of a hassle to run back to your backpack and get what's left in it <laughs> it's funny that you say that's the only penalty i thought that was savage i got lost in a cave system i had no <laughs> idea where my bloody body was because i couldn't see the beacon in the cave but were you not using tethers the whole time because i was religious about using tethers to get me where i wanted yeah, to go. i probably should have been Nah, i sometimes just ran off i was like it's only around the corner and then i'd suddenly find mm. myself suffocating because everywhere looked the same <laughs> yeah i was quite systematic but then i feel like that like safety that it granted me meant that I was never even a little bit scared or nor of the game because there are big so so the the planets they're not hollow exactly but there are massive cave systems which already exist in the planets so you don't have to literally dig through the entire all of the earth to get to the minerals and I found a lot of the game was spent exploring these caves. So while you might land on a planet. And... We had a totally different experience. I just, once I died a couple of times in caves, I was like, I'm not going in caves again. Everything really? else, surface level. <laughs> yeah. Really? <laughs> well, that's amazing. I thought, I thought most of the materials were, you could only get in caves. But that's kind of good. So you, you, you probably saw more of the surfaces of the planets than me then. Because I didn't appreciate the art style, <laughs> which is a shame <laughs> because there's a bunch of different planets with kind of different, yeah, like you say, different biomes. But I never felt like I really got to spend any time there because I was always in these bloody caves, <laughs> which I just wanted to see how deep I could go. Like maybe there's something more to discover. It's like journey to the center of the earth for you. <laughs> for centuries, there has been a legend of a land untouched by time. Authors have written about it. Explorers have vanished searching for it. And one man will set out to discover the truth. A journey to the center of the earth. It wasn't just science fiction. It's inspiration. Yeah, I got a little achievement which said that I'd like reached the center of a planet or something like that. Was it like the Jules Verne Award or something? Maybe. <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. Well, <laughs> since you mentioned achievements, one of the things I noticed when I was looking at the Steam achievements that I was getting in the game is that so many of them are unattained, sorry, attained by less than 15% of people, which mm. I think speaks to playability. Because I think if people aren't doing the stuff that gets basic, one of them was literally explore Kalidor. You know the planet Kalidor, like the dry, arid planet? Mm -hmm. I think only about 13% of gamers had the achievement for going there. I've only just thought about it now, but do you think it's a reference to Kalimdor? In World of Warcraft, and War in Warcraft 3, rather. Or just the Warcraft universe. Maybe. Where Duratar is. God, this got nerdy quickly. Let's move on. <laughs> Aatrox was one of the other planets. Is that Could that be a reference to anything? That's one of the radioactive planets. Maybe to Ratchet and Clank. But I'm really stretching my uh, memory now. Let's move off the planet reference names. <laughs> I guess in those weren't procedurally generated. I was going to ask you that at one point. but Oh, yeah. So the names aren't, but the planets themselves are. Mm -hmm. That's what I meant at the beginning when I was like, I'm kind of guessing and speculating to some extent, but I would imagine that when they're building one of those planets, they're like, okay, these are the resources we definitely want on it. This is the quantity that we want on it. Randomly distribute on the planet. Mm. And I'd imagine that means that sometimes they get clumped up and sometimes they're really nicely spread out. Mm. Who knows how it works? It's a mystery. <laughs> so you mentioned the lack of purpose or objective in the game and that you kind of found that yourself through guides and stuff, which is fun. Mm. But there is, I think, and I found this out through my colleague who spent about 80 hours on the game. Oh, no way, 80 hours? Yeah, yeah. She spent about 80 hours on the game over three years though. So she keeps coming back to it and, and she really enjoys it and like, finds it a chill game. But yeah, so she started talking about powering up planets 
Did you manage to power up many planets? No, but I did get to what I imagined to be an endgame state, which is where basically I'd unlocked unlimited power potential. I think it's called the RTG or something like that. It's a generator that generates four bits of power or something like that every mm. every second or every minute or must be every second. And as soon as you've got that, you're kind of self-sustaining. You don't need to worry about power. And then I got the achievement for like harvesting every resource and visiting every planet. Yeah. So I think that I was at that level where I could play longer. And then as far as I know, I could be wrong about this because... I assume to avoid spoilers, which fortuitously we're not going to be able to give you any spoilers since neither of us finished. Mm. But yeah, I think to avoid spoilers, the guide was basically like, yeah, you just need to have a base on every planet. And I assume it's to do with that like big glowing light thing. Like yeah. on every planet and moon, there's this like base thing, which looks kind of futuristic with a big beam of light going into the sky. Well, I didn't actually unlock your unlimited power RTG. So my solution to powering up those structures seems seems pretty basic by comparison. I basically built myself a tractor and like had three trailers on my tractor and stuck a medium generator on each one and like trundled around the planet with my tractor, <laughs> plugging in these three medium generators into these massive buildings to power them up. Well, I'm rumbling in this JCB. I'm five years old, my dad's a giant sitting beside me. And the engine rattles my bum like... But I still only managed to power up a couple. And then I was like, this isn't very fun. I'm just going to try and unlock some more buildings and that can be my goal. Wow, so I didn't even know you could do that though. I mean, I knew you could make a little tractor and drive around like a nutter with, with generators on the back. That bit I knew, I just didn't occur to me to do it. Um, but the the actual buildings, I didn't realise that, you know, it was to do with powering them up even. Like, this is what I mean. Oh, really? No, I don't, I don't think it, that stuff's obvious in the game. The same as the, uh, the plants that attack you. Like, it's not obvious they're going to attack you. And when they do you're like oh okay i won't go near that one again mm. in the guides they all have names but i'm like where are those mm. names because there's no <laughs> the game doesn't give you the names are people just making that shit up or what's the deal <laughs> that's a really good point and, and another and another um another reference to just the importance of a game community for a game like this yeah it's true who's naming the plants perhaps the developers do because it was in early access for a very long time this game yeah and i would assume in the in the game files each of the objects is given a name uh, yeah. so maybe they've just delved around in there a little bit mm. but why wouldn't you tell your gamers like what <laughs> is populating the biomes like yeah don't know. i suppose if it's a sort of blank canvas for players to then write their own stories on in a similar way to what no man's sky promised because um is it not true in no man's sky you get to name planets or was that not one of the um... i'm not sure i've not actually played no man's sky it was on our list of games that we might cover but we got put off, well i got put off by the initial backlash to its launch and even though loads of diehard fans are like no it's so much better now there's a little bit of me that's like it's gonna be like astroneer but bigger <laughs> Uh, I've played it a little bit, even after all the updates and stuff. I, I just know it's not for me. But at least that game's got wildlife and stuff. These worlds are so vast mm. and empty and devoid of interaction. There's no animals, there's no creatures, there's no NPCs, there's no other mm. players. Actually, there can be other players, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's a cooperative, well, it can be a cooperative game where you can build things together. This is why I think it's a, a little bit unfair to compare it to Subnautica. And it's probably more fair to compare it to something like Minecraft, where players' creativity is a really key part of enjoying the game. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, I don't really have that creative impulse in games. I just need a little bit more structure 
and and story and narrative in the in the games I play. But say you were playing this with your kid and they were really into it, like this would be an awesome place to enjoy with with a child, wouldn't you say? Yeah, if you haven't got a really park. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> But it would be like if you were if you if you had two screens and you were like playing it with your kid or something, and they were like, "Oh yeah, go over here. Like we could build this because like we talked about the vacuum at the beginning, but that's like a key gimmick of the game, which is really powerful. Like you can build whatever you want in the same way as you can with Minecraft. Mm. Yeah, actually, I saw it, someone was going meta and building a game of Pong within the game of Astroneer. Which was cool. How did they do that? Uh, they used, a, I think, in a recent update when they put in like some sort of switches and like expander switches, and they used mm-hmm. which like were lighting up bulbs and stuff, mm-hmm. and then they had all the bulbs moving in sync. I mean, it was pretty amazing actually. If I can find it, I'll post it to the show notes because it was cool. And I should also post the guide I followed because cool. I can't credit the guy who wrote it unfortunately because he deleted his username. But oh wow! Uh, nonetheless, if anyone is interested to play Astroneer, I highly recommend this guide because it doesn't hold your hand; it just points you in the right direction. Mm. So yeah, like that purpose. Really, it's not trying to give you any more purpose than you create for yourself. And if you're with people or are just able to create that purpose for yourself, then I'd say it's a, it's a pretty cool sandbox in which to do that. Mm. There's a debate to be had about the sandbox versus narrative when it comes down to gaming, and obviously, to some extent, it's preference. But also, if you see games as art to a certain degree, then I guess a sandbox is giving you like a landscape to make your own art and a toolbox to make your own art. Whereas a narrative game is like, we've done that for you. Like, this is the story you're following. This is how the world looks. Like, even just procedurally generated worlds, I struggle with because it's like, if you're getting a computer to just make it, like, where's the craftsmanship? Where's the detail? Like, where's the i that created this and that like gave it shape Mm. and i don't know like for me those things are important i feel an analogy coming on oh shit (laughs) (laughs) is there not one there isn't one i should have thought of one it sounded like you're building up to one oh god damn it it's fine no Um, i wasn't i don't even know what i was oh no okay i've got one it's like (laughs) it's a bit like in tv programs right where you've got your your TV shows that are procedural, so like The Bill or something. We, we've done that before. Uh, EastEnders. Walk away from me, but you can't walk away from the truth. Actually, EastEnders isn't even procedural. Forget EastEnders, forget The Bill. House. <laughs> house. How oh, House is a great example. Right, House, every single episode, it starts with someone having some sort of crisis, then they pass out or whatever. They end up in hospital. House tries a bunch of different things that it might be, and it never is. It's never lupus. And then in the last five minutes, he clocks onto what it is and saves the day. What's wrong with you? I can't get my contact lenses out. Out of what? They're not in your eyes. But they're red. That's because you're trying to remove your corneas. That's your procedural standpoint. And there's a ton of police shows that do the same thing. Crime happens at the beginning of the episode. Mm. Loads of wrong suspects. At the end of the episode, they get the right one. Versus a serial, where it's a story told over, like, 
potentially series like even if you take something like game of thrones like mm. start in episode one go through all of the series before you get the full story mm. for me there's a parallel here with sandbox versus narrative because with the narrative the game is the story like it has mm -hmm. everything self-contained it's got a shape it's got a path you play it to the end and you conclude with the sandbox it's kind of like every time you load the game potentially if you make a new game procedurally generates it you go for it you can do whatever you want then you get bored start another one procedurally generate it like mm. it fills your time and you can enjoy it sure and like don't get me wrong many people love procedural tv which is why it's going but it's just like mm. i don't know it's not art really is it is it well, <laughs> controversial? I, well that is a little bit controversial um and well done on that analogy off, off the top of your head i thought it worked really well <laughs> but like that was one thing is that to be fair i never really looked forward to playing the game but when i started playing it I'd find my like the hours slipping away because it has that, oh, I'll just do one more thing feeling. You're like, oh, okay, I'll just go and explore over there. I'll just unlock that and then see what that does. Just see that one new planet. So it is, compelling is too strong a word, but it does have something more-ish about it when you're playing it. Mm. And maybe that comes from it being so player-led in your objectives yeah and i think if you can create your own sort of reward structure within the game so that you're getting a kick out of playing it mm. then i mean you've potentially got an infinite amount of rewards within the game but by the time i got to about the 30 hour mark that was where i was actually beginning to get that sense of moorishness and i was finding it relaxing and i always went into the game being like this time i'm going to build this thing or this time i'm going to go to this planet and do this thing mm. and like at that point i had purpose i had direction i was like yeah i know what i'm doing i'm enjoying this but man 30 hours into the game and like it's not that i begrudge a time investment demanded by games where i feel like that investment's proportionate to like the rewarding experience of actually playing the game so there are tons of games like red dead redemption 2 the witcher 3 like pillars of eternity and those games that will go for you know 60 hours or something easily but i feel like the reward you get from doing all of that grind and from putting those hours in is, is so massive relative to i don't know like the, i may as well have just gone outside and sort of built sand castles <laughs> yeah it's, it's true it's true and and i think maybe playing it alone was a factor in this and maybe it does have more to it played cooperatively because then it's a fun place in which to interact with other people and then you get the benefit of socializing with a friend and all of the all the rewards that that brings so maybe it's just more hollow by yourself and you did say that you felt a little bit warmer towards the game once you started reading other people's writing about it. Yeah, 100% I did. And also, like, I totally agree with you that it's a super zen, chill game to play around in. I mean, actually, one of the things, just the stress of this move, and, like, when we got home, we started doing loads of DIY on our house and stuff, and I couldn't even move into any single room without there just being chaos everywhere. And when I sat down and played this, it was like, ah. Oh, it's my own little space. I'm in control mm. of what's going on. And it was weird. I Like, I'd written some quite negative stuff about this game for my notes. And then as soon as I started playing, I had to revise quite a lot of them because I thought, actually, this is kind of working for me in various ways. And so I did find it chill and, and relaxing. And like, as you say, it's quite easy to sink those hours in once you get started, even though the appeal might not be drawing you there in the first place. Yeah, yeah, it's totally true. And and I had I had a similar experience. I felt completely zen while I was playing it. Hypnotised. We're both been brainwashed. We're both, we're both just sat in our chairs, just draining energy into the screen. Look closely. Very closely. I wish there was a little bit more to discover because 
It's often the way with procedurally generated games, although some do it better than others. I've already talked about Don't Starve. There's lots of little little special things which you can discover in that game which make you feel like you're seeing new things. Whereas in this game, in all honesty, I felt like I'd seen everything it had to offer in quite a small section of the game. And then that stuff was just being repeated over and over again, maybe with different skins. Like the charm of the the aesthetic of each planet was nice and quite rewarding. It was thin. But thin, yeah, like it wears off really quickly. Not enough to carry, yeah, carry the sense of discovery, which you I felt like I really wanted from a game like this, which is why I kept digging deeper in those caves because I thought maybe there is something more down here. Yeah. I always felt a sense of disappointment when I discovered what seemed to be a big wreck and I'd like dig all around it looking for something exciting in the wreck and then it was just a wreck. <laughs> mm. And I remember when I first started and finding my first lot of debris and being like, oh, what's going to be in the debris? Like, what am I going to find? That sort of loot box feeling of it, like the gambling moment. You don't know what's there. Mm. And then it was just debris. And then I actually looked that up and when I learned that you couldn't even do anything with debris until way later in the game when you'd built a shredder and stuff, I was like, mm -hmm. oh man, alive, that's a slap in the face. <laughs> yeah, that was a strange one as well because there is this scrap littered across every planet. And as you say, you can collect the scrap, put it into a shredder. You can then use that scrap, send it off on, in like a trade rocket to get different resources of your choice. But that felt completely redundant to me because, well, you had a different experience, but... There was enough resources within my grasp for me to just do whatever I wanted with. There was a slight limiter in unlocking things in the bites, which you mentioned at the beginning, which you get by either putting into research, uh, research centers, I'm going to call them, or just collecting little samples, which gives you instant hits of bites. And you can also power up these sort of pyramid-like structures, which then like collapse and you can get some more bites from inside those. <laughs> everything gives you bites and when you reach a certain point in the game you got so many goddamn bites you're like i can't spend these fast enough mm, there were quite a lot of mechanics or things that you could do in the game which felt slightly redundant to me but then again like we've talked on the podcast before about the gamer mentality and and you mentioned loot boxes but like kind of almost being addicted to that dopamine hit which games have engineered to give us whereas in this game like Really, in hindsight, I should have been more creative with it. The only bit I was creative in, kind of the same as Subnautica actually, is building my base, arranging everything so that it was aesthetically quite nice yeah. and that sort of thing. But I didn't build anything with the with the terrain tool, which is, I think, what it's called, not a big hoover. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably right, yeah. But the possibilities for that are big, but I just never... Yeah, I don't know. The terraformer. The t is it called the terraformer? No, I don't know. I just thought that sounded <laughs> <laughs> The way the game tries to make itself not, uh, the time you spend in it, not redundant, is that everything is dependent on something else. So to build a shuttle, for instance, you need aluminium, but to get aluminium, you need to smelt laterite. Mm. And that means you need a smelting furnace, but to build a smelting furnace, you need compound resin and a platform to put it on. And a platform's going to cost you more resin. And then uh, you're going to need to power your platform which you need solar panel winter like everything leads to everything else mm. and it goes crazy that's a list of interdependencies that the game doesn't even tell you about so you have to find it out for yourself and so in that way your time is spent in the game like it's not redundant in the sense that if you want to build that thing you want to build then you need to explore to find the stuff to build it mm. in a way that's like um here's here's an analogy <laughs> But it's another gaming one, so I'm not sure if it counts. The gathering element is like farming for quests in World of Warcraft, mm. but it's just the farming. 
there's no interaction there's no npcs there's no quest giver it's like just do this thing again and again until you get the number of that thing that you need and then do it in a different area again and again and again until you get the number of that thing that you need mm. it's quite funny actually because now we're talking about it i'm remembering you saying <laughs> in uh Wilson, of all things that you got tired of clicking and then holding the button down and then clicking on something else and then holding the button down yeah and like that is what you're doing in this as well you go you stand by some resources you click you sweep them all up you fill your backpack you run back dump it come back do it again <laughs> and like you just change the environment you're doing that in every time yeah well we're definitely not playing no man's guy <laughs> <laughs> oh man diehard astroneer fans are tuning out like crazy as i speak <laughs> sorry guys Sorry, guys. No, this is way more charming than No Man's Sky, which is why I could handle it because it does have more soul than... Well, it has more soul than a game like Wars. definitely has more soul than No Man's Sky for me. But yeah, like all the um, the interconnectivity of the different buildings and the resources like you talked about in a classic crafting style, it felt not exactly underdeveloped, but I wondered why I was doing it. Like, again, like that purpose, like why, 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 why? It was like the alpha of a game before they'd implemented all the stuff that was actually going to happen in it. Mm. But then I wonder if this is, again, down to a lack of creativity on my part, because in a game like Factorio or Satisfactory, where the whole point of it is that you, it's almost like coding in that you create, like the interconnectivity between the buildings is part of the fun. So like building a supply line and getting everything automatically didn't seem like there was the capability to do to that higher level in this but it was almost reaching for that i would say because you can you could build like automated arms which would like automatically put things in storage from your smelter and, mm. and things like that but the satisfactory marketing team have done an incredible job like mm-hmm. i watched their pipes video and i did think god that's a game i want to play <laughs> based on a video about pipes which was amazing and like i've read quite a lot about it in reviews and gaming sites and all that kind of stuff and people speak highly of it. And so I was a little bit tempted, even though I knew it would be outside of my kind of area of interest. But then you rapidly put, put me back into the into the frame and were like, nah, this is going to be like a chore. But maybe, but maybe we should switch up the format to it, especially now as we're both living in the same country as well. Um, because if you treated a game like that more like a coding project, so if you kind of, if you researched the game a bit, saw what it was possible to do and then said, right, like this is what we want to build in the game and then we could build it together cooperatively and just see what that's like as an experience that might be quite a fun idea that could be let us know would that be a fun idea pixelvision.net <laughs> responses zero you can also now find us on twitter <laughs> twitter.com forward slash pixelviz you promised me you weren't gonna do any twitter shout outs okay no twitter shout outs forget that i said twitter.com forward slash pixelviz <laughs> I think they even describe the game as um, space industry, mm. don't they? And I think they yeah. they want you to essentially get this really, almost like this slick, well-oiled machine going on the planet where everything's dependent on everything else and it's just this huge production engine that's mm. super efficient and kind of self-sustaining and automated. And like when you watch people playing it, they really have got that like the number of gifts you see where people have got these crazy setups doing all sorts of stuff and using gravity like i saw one guy had put something at the top of the hill and then when it produced it it just rolled down the hill until it like Mm. landed in the next thing like people have been really innovative but i don't know for me it's like 
I want the game designers to to create the the thing for me to explore, not for me to have to do all the work myself. Yeah, like a curated world. Maybe we're just more like story led people then in games generally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I, like, I do want to stress actually that none of this is to say I think it's a bad game. Like I think mm, it's actually same. really good and competent at least. But I just think it's not my cup of tea. I was just mm. indifferent to it. That's that's all. And I'm sure. Well, I know that from its popularity and from the hours like you're probably putting eight hours like people do love it so it's it's ticking the boxes for some people there's a game called another game by clay actually oxygen not included which has this a, a similar thing where you're digging in an asteroid kind of digging outwards and creating a little society of people and you can get production chains with resources and stuff like that again a really cute game but i could only ever spend sort of 20 hours in that and then the novelty has worn off but I showed it to my friend Henri and like I still see him on Steam now literally eight months after I introduced like see him play and Oxygen not included on Steam and it's like it's obviously it really works for you and like hits the spot do you think that maybe we, we've been desensitised to space exploration games well because we're doing too many bloody space exploration <laughs> yeah exactly games. Outer Wilds we just covered <laughs> yeah but this is so different to Outer Wilds isn't it like, well, it like isn't it isn't so... I don't think the aesthetic really? is that different like when you're when you're in the galaxy looking at the planet from above and you're about to land in your little shuttle with a few sort of changes like you see through the cloud like these chunky blocky clouds down to the surface that's <laughs> like sort of pyramidal and very unclear give me my photorealism <laughs> <laughs> yeah god damn it i've got a graphics card put it to work yeah pay for this computer <laughs> did geforce now manage it that's the question did it cope <laughs> yeah it absolutely coped with my um with my new internet here as well yeah and i have a desk where the router is this is too much information for the listeners yeah they're gonna start suspecting that we're getting sponsorship and not declaring it if only we were virgin media 30 pounds a month yeah so i can put my ethernet cable in and everything if i want to but uh, yeah it's, it's really really fast so yeah geforce now smash it <laughs> visit www.geforcenow.com god that was a boring aside <laughs> such a boring aside <laughs> What was I going to say? Oh, yeah, the aesthetic of the game, agreed, very similar to, to Outer Wilds and theme as well, but in, in type of game, completely different. Like yeah, yeah. Okay. Puzz, puzzle adventure, crafting survival. I don't think they could be too compared. More different, really. Yeah. One of the irritating things about this is normally I would use like a load of the game audio to sort of bring us into an episode, but I can't on this occasion and I haven't been able to. Why? Because there just isn't really much game audio, is there? Not nice intro music. There's no... There's quite a lot of music, though. I quite like the music in the game. Go on, what, what did you think of it? So it's by this Dutch composer, Rutger Zoidevelt. Mm-hmm. Brackets, Maschine Fabrik, which I assume is um, <laughs> German. <laughs> I mean, fabric machine? <laughs> I don't know. Machine fabric. Machine factory. Topical for the game. But yeah, I mean, what did you think of that then? Uh, the score, yeah. I really liked it. I thought, thought it was atmospheric. Um, did you notice it? Yeah, I noticed it because it's not playing all the time. Like often it's it's a very silent game, isn't it? And then occasionally the music comes in. But it's very gentle. Like there's nothing. Um... Yeah. It's sweeping synthetic soundscapes, isn't it? Yeah. You sort of get kind of like a... <laughs> Of your um, of your train vacuum, <laughs> don't you? Well, yeah. And then a... wait, hang on. You're talking about the sound effects or the music right now? 
<laughs> oh well I'm, yeah i'm talking about the audio generally but yeah <laughs> yeah i mean for me it was kind of just quite generic synth soundscapes yeah it was it was mm-hmm. like Fair. drones and a little bit repetitive in places Again, I didn't have an issue with it. I found it inoffensive and unremarkable. Yeah, well, that's fair. And you listen to a lot more um, synthy electronic music than me as well. So whenever I hear it, it's a bit novel. But for you, it was probably a bit passe. <laughs> well, I don't know that that's the case, but maybe. But I also, I don't know, sound effects. You liked them, did you? I didn't, again, didn't really notice them, except for sort of like... Like those kind of noises. Yeah, you're right. There wasn't an abundance of sound effects, was there? Let me put it this way. I have to edit this damn podcast together. And I <laughs> I trawl through audio samples looking for decent shit to put in it. And I'm thinking, what the fuck am I going to put in this game? I'm sitting here being like, yeah, no, it's all right. Ben's sitting there like, what the hell am I going to do for this edit? <laughs> it felt thematic because of the vastness, the kind of like vacuum of space. So it felt silent as you'd imagine space to be silent. Yeah, it was minimal. It was minimal. Agreed. Mm. That's a generous take. Putting the virtual into virtual world. You could say that. (laughs) A few unrelated things. I was physically burning some marshmallows around the fire um, halfway through playing the game. I thought you meant while you were playing just then. (laughs) No, no, no. I was physically burning some marshmallows while I was playing and it caused a crisis in my (laughs) flight. And I remembered Out of Wilds when you roast the marshmallows in Out of Wilds and just how kind of cute that little option is to do on every campfire. And there weren't very many moments like that which I could like point to in the game where I thought, oh, I really like that. I really like that little touch. You called me out for the Out of Wilds comparison a minute ago. Now you're doing it yourself, you cheeky bastard. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, that's just because that's just because that moment gen- I just thought was was really nice and sweet. And while the while Astroneer, the game as a whole, is is cute and nice, I couldn't point to any one moment where I thought, oh yeah, like that's a really memorable thing that happened, kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe I fell down into a cave by mistake and had to had to get back out. A lack of memorable moments I found. Even though overall it is it is very cute. Keep using the word cute. Yeah, I've noticed that. <laughs> Edit <yeah>. that out. <laughs> No, I'm just going to double down on it. I'll just sprinkle a few more. You sound really creepy when you make the joke in the middle. Please don't do that. I'm more or less done. I don't want to I don't want to talk about it too much because I'm very conscious that uh, I've got kind of a negative approach to it and I think that's my negative approach that I'm bringing to the game. I don't think that exists in the game. Mm. I'm concerned that if I talk about it too long, it sounds like I'm really shitting on it when I'm really not. Like I won't stress that. Um I think it's probably a great game for a certain type of gamer and I'm not that guy. That's it. Exactly the same as you. I felt like I was bringing a lack of creativity to the game and while I found it really chill, I thought I would get more out of it if I wanted to turn it into a canvas and wish to create things. But Ultimately, I didn't. So what I could get out of the game was limited as a result. Yeah. So more fool you, Teo. Nothing to do with yeah. System Era Softworks and their game devs. This no. Is you. <laughs> no, but I think you'd know from listening to this if this type of game is for you, for sure. And you never know going into a game. Like, I thought it might lean more heavily towards the Subnautica crafting narrative than it did whereas actually it lent more towards minecraft which i already know is like not really my thing yeah same same i've never understood the the people that play that but let's not talk about that because we really will get people tuning out well no because um minecraft is amazing like it's like unlimited lego for kids and this is not quite unlimited lego for adults i would say (laughs) (laughs) because they probably (laughs) 
<laughs> because it's not quite as malleable as Minecraft. I cannot stop playing. <laughs> I have a problem. How you doing there, buddy? And we're done. On to the next game. <laughs> um, yeah, so for the next game, uh, we're changing the aesthetic up once again. We're not changing this aesthetic up once again. We're doing another space game. Basically because we wanted a slightly shorter, more constrained game to play. And um, Ben found this one and uh, yeah, it looked interesting. Well, actually, I found this one and Teo agreed to it enthusiastically and then realized it was a different game. That is true. That is true. But I did actually know both games. But yeah, there is... Well, you say the names because they are fondly similar. So one is Observation. And that is the game mm. we will be covering on the next episode. Mm -hmm. uh, the game we will not be covering on the next episode. Sorry to disappoint. Is Observer. <laughs> so yeah, don't get those too confused. This is going to be another Outer Worlds, Outer Wilds conundrum. Yeah, it, was for funny. <laughs> it was funny because um, you said it was Observation. And I was like... Ah, oh, yeah, I watched a, a video, a video review of that game. And you like, it's set in space. And I was like, no, it's not set in space really confidently. It's set in a dystopian city. It's kind of a detective game. And you were like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like thinking, definitely thinking like, I'm pretty sure he's wrong, but he said it was such confidence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know all that much about this game though, actually. I, I just read that it was a bit shorter mm. and it has a very interesting concept, which we'll save for next time yeah cool well um yeah thanks for listening yeah thanks we'll uh go out to lemon jelly again i guess yeah let's do it the hatch is coming close <laughs>